0: Have you been to a wedding recently they get more and more elaborate don't they you know everybody's gonna have the, the stress level is insane not for me I just watch but for the people that are planning it you even have to hire people all around it to hover what a contrast when you look back to the to our, our grandparents weddings where they just you know put on the dress and the suit and went over there and they were that that was pretty much it but our weddings, as complex as they are, are mere pretenders compared to weddings in most of the world. I say most, not I haven't done a survey. I'll just say a lot of the world. How's that? Where, for example, uh, in East Asia, in India, many of the weddings are monstrously complex things. I, I, we have some friends who have some friends. And um, there was a, a wedding here in Nashville where they even had parades of of elephants and floats in South Broadway. Now, I don't know who you got to talk to to get an elephant on South Broadway, but they did. And these things go on for days. Think of that. In the Bible, for example, if you remember, Jacob worked for seven years and got the wrong woman. And I've had people say, well, how did that happen? Well, here's a clue. Weddings lasted about a week to two weeks. The guys did their own thing over here, women over there. And the guys' things involved beverages. (laughs) And after a week or two of that, you go into a dark tent in the middle of the night, things happen. And you, you end up marrying somebody you weren't planning on. But here's something which may trouble some of you. So take it as a challenge. Go look. The Bible never defines what a wedding ceremony is. I've had people come to me before and they say we want to have a, a biblical wedding and I'm going no you don't. <laughs> we don't really know what that would be and the ones we have an illustration of you don't want. And they get a little troubled and they'll say well, well how, did, how did they know they were married? That's an excellent question. In our society somebody has to say you are. It's a pretty tough hurdle there. In other societies, it was it was very different, and that's the whole thing. Each society was different. You are married in the scriptural societies, and all those ones, and they're all different, by the way. When the community says you are, whenever they declare that's a marriage, then it's a marriage. You're you're wed. Better watch for that. But the community is the decider. That's the huge thing. In every instance in every culture in scripture it wasn't that Bob and Mary just decided we're married and we don't care who cares or thinks what about no community has to agree that this is a marriage that yeah and um, I like the kids here already let's keep them send the adults down and the community being involved meant that they had to actually had some skin in the game they had to bring elaborate gifts They had to set aside a large amount of time. I know, guys, you're thinking right now, Patrick, don't encourage him. I'm not. I'm just saying it was massive. It was so different. And that brings us to a point of how to be embarrassed in Scripture. You would be embarrassed if you did not go, stay the whole time, bring an elaborate gift, and join in everything and You could be embarrassed if the community didn't do that that's what you've got to know before we look at a couple of parables today that show how everything has changed now that jesus has come for advent we started early in november going all the way through the year now we're going to take a look at the parables that show now that jesus has come everything is different in matthew 22 there's a wedding feast parable In chapter 21, there are two parables that deal with the same problem. Jesus keeps hitting them with stories to help them see what he's saying, and that is this. People are refusing to respond to the new reality that Jesus is here, and Jesus is king. We're far more comfortable with an eight-pound, three-ounce baby Jesus than we are with the Lord and Master and Creator of the universe, our Savior, yes, but also our King and our Lord. That's a harder bet to get. So chapter 21, Matthew, verses 28 through 31. What do you think? I love the way he starts that. There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. I will not, he replied. Obviously a toddler. But, But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son, and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they said. He said to them, truly I tell you, this is the shocking bit. Hang on, put your, put your brain around this. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Did not see that coming. That is not where we thought we were heading with the story. Those labeled as sinners because of their job, tax collectors were also, whenever they said that, they also included bar owners, they, uh, anything that they thought was awful. They just shortened it to short, uh, they would say publicans and sinners or tax collectors and sinners. That just covered all those awful jobs that a real Christian wouldn't do or because of your life situation whether it's sex work, prostitution, or the like. And please remember, there were a lot of women forced into this in those days because of the way men had set up the society where women could not own property. And if their husband died and they had no son, instant poverty, instant on the street, how do you survive? And Jesus is saying, all of those people you despise are pleasing God more than you religious people are. Now, we've got to figure out what he meant, don't you think? Because I would assume most of you are religious people. Or you would have fled the building when you heard that the heaters wouldn't shut down. And when Mark said it was going to be a few hours. We're going to look at the parable of the tenants another day. That is so much worse than what we're about to do today. We're going to, I'm skipping down to six here. We're ready for today's parable. Matthew 22. through 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. Remember, the community must be involved. They refused to come. Now, do you understand the embarrassment here? He's got it set. He's poured all the money in. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited, I've prepared my dinner. The oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered. In other words, we can't take that back. You can't unbutcher them. We have laid everything on the line. Don't embarrass us. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. Maybe they were hurrying, Gary and Brian. The rest seized his servants mistreated them and killed them all right that's a bit extreme i like to avoid weddings but i've not gone that far and i won't because we can all be shocked in other words they treated the king as if he wasn't a king they treated the king as if he wasn't part of their community or as if they weren't the king's community you have to understand The Semitic first century issues going here. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers. Wait, why are they called murderers? Well, they killed the servants and burned their city. You're thinking, that's extreme. The king is not a king if he does not have a kingdom. And if the people in the kingdom do not act like they are part of his community and do not want to be part of his community, they will have to leave one way or the other. He turned to his servants, wedding banquet's ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come, so go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out to the streets and gathered all the people. They could find the good as well as the bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Guys, When your wife tells you to dress up, do it. All right? It's wedding clothes. I've had people say, you should wear your best to Sunday because you're going to see Jesus. That's so poor theology. You're supposed to be seeing him 24-7, and I don't think you should wear a three-piece suit to bed. I would advise against it. But when it comes to a wedding, you show up in baggy cargo shorts and an old T-shirt, go, best to you. You, there, there are probably some buds that would go, yo, and chest bump you and the like. But I don't like those people, and you shouldn't either. He wasn't wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how'd you get in here, friend? Friend. He was giving them the opportunity to give an explanation so that this could all be just ignored. The man was speechless. Literally, by the way. NIV doesn't do it perfect there. It literally means he had no excuse. The man, the king told the eternance, tie him hand and foot. Throw him outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Whoa. What in the world's going on here? Weddings were expensive. It took a lot of preparation. Now, I'm going to have to be very sexist here, but a, a, a stereotypical might even be part of it. But and the reason things become stereotypes is because they are very common. I'm going to assume that it was mainly women who prepared Thanksgiving. This is something that, men, you really need to think about. Women don't get a holiday in some homes. They work, 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 work. And I've had men say, I do all the cooking great, wonderful for you. But for the, nobody wants me to do cooking because we don't need any more burnt offerings. God is satisfied. And then, how long does it take to eat it? You know, they prepare for days. You eat it in fifteen minutes. And go, where's the fit ball? It is fit ball, by the way. It's not football. <laughs> Just another grammar lesson. That's free. They they work. They work. They work. God prepared the universe for the coming of His Son, our King. The Jewish people had been prepared through generations for Advent. There were prophecies the servants sent out. There were calls for faithfulness. There was the presence of the temple in the center of their society. The coming of Jesus. The wedding was announced by angels, Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people, not just the really super good, all of them. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. Oh, we're waiting for this you find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And those who were in charge of religion, those who considered themselves the most faithful, Those who considered themselves the sons of Abraham didn't come to Jesus. They refused the invitation. More than a thousand years of preparation, the time had come. As Daniel put it, in the times of those kings, when all was prepared, that's when the Messiah will come. And he did. The common people, they ran to him. Sinners, they ran to him. Those on the margins, they ran to him. But the religious people, didn't. They ignored him. The religious elite, in particular, the arrogant, the ones that they figured they had it all sussed out. Everything was great. They were in control. And that's what this parable is all about. Note the number of times that the king gives them another chance. There should have been. They should have been there already. But no. They weren't, so he sends again messengers and messengers. The food's ready. It's now or really never. There's no refrigeration. It's now or never. It would be a supreme insult. It could not even be considered. And yet, that's exactly what they did. As it was, the king was demonstrating amazing patience, especially for a Middle Eastern king of that day and age. You didn't diss the king and get away with it time after time while he kept begging you to come on, let's work together. You didn't do that. But this king showed patience. But the guest did not arrive. The king's community ignored him. And that brings us to one of my favorite poems of all time by G.A. Studdard Kennedy. When Jesus came to Birmingham, this is Birmingham, not Birmingham, this is England right? So, right, so I'm going to pronounce it properly. You decide upon your own. When Jesus, listen to the pathos here. When Jesus came to Golgotha, they hanged him on a tree. They groved great nails through hands and feet and made a calvary. They crowned him with a crown of thorns. Red were his wounds and deep. For those were crude and cruel days, and human flesh was cheap. When Jesus came to Birmingham, they simply passed him by. They would not hurt hair of him. They only let him die. For men had grown more tender, and they would not give him pain. They only just passed down the street and left him in the rain. Still, Jesus cried, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And still it rained in the winter rain that drenched him through and through. The crowds went home and left the streets without a soul to see. Jesus crouched against a wall and cried for Calvary. At least in Calvary, they cared enough to kill him. In our society, way too many people that call Jesus Savior who see a beautiful day like this and decide, you know something, let's not go. Let's just Enjoy the day. I think we should enjoy the day. But we have a king. We are under obligation. And I'm not saying to attend worship. We are under obligation to be in his community. And that requires us to behave in a certain way. We are the community. But he is the king. (coughs) And that can never be forgotten. And this brings to me, brings to mind... Revelation 3, look at this. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? A lot of you are here Laodicea. You know where this is going. These are the words of the amen, the truth teller, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of, the ruler, remember king. We got to get that in our head. The king, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. He's talking to a church here. I know that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. But because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Married people, let me talk to you for a wee bit here. The opposite of love is not hate. Hate and love are very close. The opposite of love is apathy. Just not caring. You don't put anything on the line anymore. You don't risk anything anymore. You don't make the effort anymore. You just pull back. Apathy. That'll kill a relationship faster than hate every day. Hate you can work with. Apathy you can't. You can walk, you can talk to somebody who's hating and say, we need to help you learn to understand why you're you're off here, what's gone wrong. To an apathetic person, you can't lean over and say, start caring. They won't. The table has been set, the people have been prepared. You have every evidence for the existence of God and for the Lordship of Jesus that you need. I've had people say, well, if I only had a couple of answers to these questions, and I I invite questions. I am not knocking questions. I love questions. But when they ask the questions, it is the same questions people were asking 2,000 years ago. And so I look at them and say, what have you read? Well, they haven't. Where have you gone and what, what people have you talked to to get these Well, we haven't. Then I got a question if you care and whether you're using your questions as a way not to engage Jesus rather than as a way to. I have the right to question if you've never availed yourself of all the answers that are out there. Those people that say, well, science is disproved, no one has it. Hasn't. I'm a scientist. I would know. They would tell me. I'd get the memo. But what I will tell you is this. I read. I study. I think. I wrestle with God. It's all right if you've got doubts and wrestle with God. If you wrestle with somebody, you're in contact with them. You care enough to wrestle. So what are you going to do? The king has sent his people time and again. Prophets, priests, teachers, scribes, preachers, ministers, and people like myself who I don't really know what category I fall in there. He sent them again and again. Will you go and greet your king? Will you go and celebrate the good news? Do not be like the people in Birmingham in the poem. They weren't bad people, they just ignored Jesus. They treated him, treated the whole Advent casually. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. I want you to notice something in these phrases. His. They put their attention on themselves, not on the king. Wow. They acted like the wedding didn't matter. That being in the community wasn't something of value. Some rose up in verse 6 to mistreat and kill the servants. But most were just guilty of not caring. They were just okay with dismissing God. Dismissing the advent. And this shouldn't have hit me, but I had lived my life, I guess, in glorious isolation. But when we came back to the States in the late 80s, we, we found an, an amazing thing called cable. We, we didn't know you could get that many channels. Had to be like a dozen. Shocking. Who has time for this? But on Easter, Disney was going to do an Easter parade. And my big girl was, I don't know, three maybe at that time. And so we put it on. So her to get right in front of it. And she was very excited. And I kept watching and kept watching. And again, forgive my naivete. But when it all wrapped up, I looked at my wife and I said, How was this Easter? There's no mention of Jesus. No mention of faith, no mention of loss, no mention of resurrection. It was a commercial for a theme park that, frankly, costs too much now. What? How? They should just call it, um, it's Easter, but we're having a Disney parade. Now, I'm not knocking Disney, although I could, uh, any more than I would any other media giant. What I'm saying is, that's what our society does. It celebrates themselves. They celebrate their own business. They celebrate their own field. They didn't nail him to a tree. They merely passed him by. Can you think of a more heartbreaking thing than that? I cannot. I just cannot. But know this. God will not be disrespected. He sends his angels And that includes us into the streets. Now, I'll explain that. If you don't know, the word angel in Scripture, every time it shows up, is defined as messenger. So you have to look at the context to see whether it was an angel from heaven, a demon, or a human being that was sent out to be his messenger. A good example of this is Galatians 1. He says, Though we or an angel tell you anything different, Don't listen to them. Then he goes further. He goes, though we are an angel from heaven. So he is speaking about human beings in the first. We are his angels. We are sent out into the streets to invite people into the banquet that has been denied them by the very religious elite that had ignored the advent. Think about this. The very religious elite would say, "No, you have to clean up a bit. You have to learn our rules. You have to behave a bit." I told you before that. Won't do all the backstory, but we had a guide in Jamaica once. Um, this wasn't a mission trip; it was just a fun trip. Don't want to give you the impression that um, you know I'm not all about a party. Anyway, um, there we were, and and we'd developed a rapport with our guide, and she goes, "Well, who are you people?" and I said, we're here with the church. And she goes, what kind of church? Um, and we said church of Christ. And she goes, oh, we have one of those here. I won't name the town. And I said, yes, we do. And she goes, I went there once. Now, subtext are my life. I looked at her and I said, Sister, what happened? And then she began to fear that she had said the wrong thing. And here's the guy with the group that's come down and maybe there won't be a tip and all. That all hits because this is life. This is not a job. This is eating, you know. And I said, no, no, no. Don't worry. We're cool. We got this. We understand. Tell me what happened because I need to know. And she says, well, i like to go to churches where we praise God. I went, okay. Good. I want you to go to that kind of church. And she said, and they asked me to to not clap and stand up. Reminds me of the old story about the lady kept jumping up and going, praise God during the service. The usher, which is more of a husher in most services, walked in and said, shh. She goes, I can't help it. I got the spirit. And the usher goes, well, you didn't get him here. (laughs) And we laugh at that. But the fact is, isn't this so crushing to think that this woman felt unwelcome because she was happy and excited remember one church we served 10 years in the, the uh, detroit area and we had some very conservative people and we had some people who were very not and we were singing a song you changed my morning into dancing and we had some visitors who didn't know we don't mean what we sing <clears throat> oh please you just sang out there we lift our hands i was looking about gone interesting it's a gathering of the amputees is it anyway and and by the way by the way I I am a hypocrite because later on in songs it'll say we bow our head we hit our knees and I'm going um 62 I bow my head the momentum will carry me forward and I'll be I'll be on the floor like like a, a turtle upside down so I'm a hypocrite as well but they didn't understand that and so they left it the eyes started dancing right beside our most conservative elder. And I could, I could always gauge where the issue was by where the, the red stopped. It's like at their moment but I want to give him grace because he didn't stop them, and I saw him making a point of being kind and friendly to them. So God bless him and may we have more like him. But here's the point. We have a king. He's a king of even those people you don't like. Go out and bring them in. Don't make them like us. Tell them they're already, they've already got a king. There's some good news here. And remember what the angels say. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just come on. I used to believe that my job was to go through a certain amount of sacred actions in a specified place. at a set time each week. And to make sure others did the same. I'm going to say that again. Just in case you drifted off there a bit. I used to believe it was my job to go through a certain, the five acts of worship. Don't do any more worship than that, Laddie. Five acts of worship in a specified place, at a specified time, in a specified way, and make sure that others did the same. I was convinced. If we had a visitor, I wonder how in the world they heard about us, and if they'd heard about us, why they showed up. Because. We were loving, but you couldn't tell it in worship. We were locked down in worship. Why'd we do that? Because we thought that's what God wanted. So give them grace. People like me, grace. Give them grace. Because we tried. It's just all we knew. But this parable says your king has come. You now need to get out there and find the very people he found on the corner, in the hedges the homeless, the broken, the prostitutes whatever they are, the bar owners whatever it is, get them in by telling them that those who are out are in and many of those who are in are out because it's all about bowing I won't do the whole backstory here but um, we were at, at Holyrood Palace at the end of the Royal Mile in Edinburgh, Scotland and they'd rearranged the furniture because they were going to knight Sean Connery now, many of you have seen night things going on, on old movies, and you know enough to know that they kneel, and the queen or king, whoever it is at the time, um, and she's getting a bit old, so I'm not really sure I want her with that, you know, uh, that is, you know, I'm getting old too, come on, there comes a limit to being handed sharp object, but you tap it, and they're dubbed knight. do you understand what's going on? They are bending their knee before their sovereign, and the sovereign saying, I own your head, I own your neck. The only reason I don't swing this is because I choose to not swing it right now. That's how you bow before a sovereign. God owns my head, He owns my neck. I have willingly bowed to Him. And by the way, I will bow to none other not a king or queen in Breton or anywhere else, and not to a political party, and not to a culture or a system. I bow to God. He is my king. And I will go into the fields like you do. Think about it. We have some empty places up the top. It's a holiday, so we have empty places. That's why we didn't have Bible classes or like. We could send down the kids, just they'd hear crickets. Because we have people on the road. But every given Sunday, there are some places empty here. Don't you know people who need this? Who need the love that you find it forth? I agree with Mark. This is my favorite time of the week. And I don't know of any other ministers that say that, but they don't, they're not here. This is wonderful. People need this. We who are in must go out to bring those who are out in. Because that's our job. There's a strange vignette at the end of this parable, Matthew 22, 11, 14. When the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a the man there who was not wearing wedding clothes, and he asked, How did you get in here? Without, how'd you get past the bouncer? The man was speechless, and again, without excuse is a better, or he had nothing to say that would excuse. That's a better translation. Then king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are invited, but few are chosen. What is this? Well, it's the same passage that we read in Revelation a moment ago. Are you in or are you out? Mark, would you bring up your team? Hanging around a church, attending it for many years, going through the motions, all well and good, but that will not do. That will not do. I remember when I was going to university, uh, I'd come to the States to, to go, and there was a, a man there that was an old man. I mean, he had to be like 38 or so. We weren't sure, you know, that you lean over and you're doing all right there, Granda. But at one of the breaks, a young lady walked by, and he made a point to leer once she'd passed, and look at everybody with a knowing look. Again, naive, but I was quite young going to university, and I looked at him, and I said, you're married. He looked at me, and he goes, yeah, but I'm not dead. I looked at him, and I said, you could be. (laughs) This seems rather risky, and unkind well I was written off from then on but I think about this we are married to Jesus Christ you are a bride of Christ guys get over it it's a good thing you are a bride of Christ don't flirt with the world don't flirt with others we have one king Revelation 19 Jesus hits them all through this please stand if you would with parables about the same message, that whole section in Matthew. Are you in or are you out? Who will stand up and follow the new king in town? Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fresh linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fresh linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Are you in? If you're in, then it's time you go out. And tell those out there, they have a king and they are in, but come to the feast. Make sure you remember you're married, go tell them what the king, what your husband has told you to say. Fear not, your king has come.